Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 115 of Crunch Time. I'm going to be your host for today's episode. I am Tanner Dislin, and as always, I am joined by Sam Godsey, and we are the N326 duo, and we are finally coming back with another episode. Took a long break. You are traveling for the holidays. Hope everybody out there had a great holiday season. Uh, if you're in the Midwest, hopefully you're uh, braving the cold and the snow uh, like we are, but um we're so happy to be back uh last week we had some work scheduling couldn't work so we're finally back with another episode this week and i could not be more excited sam how are you doing today man i am doing good we got the end of the nfl season just wrapped up college football college basketball getting into the heat of conference play um it's a great time uh happy to be back been a while like you said but we are finally back yeah yeah for sure so in this episode, we thought we would uh, we would start with some college football. Uh, but, you know, that's that season has been over for about uh, a little over a week now. Um, but we thought we still got to cover it. Uh, that's what majority of what we've covered all year long, of course, is is football and college football. So we'll we'll recap that. We'll talk a little bit about the games, the bowl games, some of the some of the major bowl games, the playoff, of course, um, coaching changes as well. A lot of things going on in college football in terms of coaches and then we'll switch to the NFL and talk about the super wild card weekend we just had. Uh, and, and we'll talk about some coaches, uh, some, the coach coaching carousel over in the NFL as well to wrap up the episode. So a lot of football for you action packed, but of course, before we get to any of that, we got to start all the way from the top with our winners and losers. Sam, who is your winner of the episode? Yeah, that I, like we've said all, since the beginning of this episode it's been a long time so i got a lot for y'all in the winner column this is kind of outdated but gotta give him props but cd lamb went crazy this season um he became the wide receiver for the historic dallas cowboys wide receiver room with the most receptions and receiving yards in a single season he surpassed michael irving in both of those and he finished first in the league with 135 receptions second with 1749 uh yards and 12 touchdowns so um obviously not the season the cowboys the season ending uh the cowboys wanted it to be but can't overlook how impactful a CD lane was for them this year. Yeah. I mean, a little unfortunate timing that you have to be yeah. talking about it today of all days, but absolutely. And specifically the, the first game after our last episode was the game against the lions. Of yeah. Not without controversy, but CD lamb went crazy yeah. in that game. I know I played against them in fantasy in the playoffs. Uh, another heartbreaking uh, second place finish for your boy back to back years. I uh, don't want to talk about it, but um yeah, CD Lane went absolutely crazy that week and historical season, as you said. Um, you got any more winners? For, yeah, man. For the we got multiple, a lot, multiple weeks. We, we got a lot around. of history being made. Honestly, this whole winner group could be wrapped up as record breakers. Of course, we all know the story of Caitlin Clark, Iowa's own, putting women's basketball on the map, putting on a absolute show actually playing right now against unranked Wisconsin. Um, but a couple weeks ago, she played 
Minnesota on uh, at the end of 2023, where she dropped 35 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds. She became the Big Ten's all-time assist leader. She also became the first Division I player, both men's or women's, with 3,000-plus points, 900-plus assists and 800 rebounds in a career. Um, and then she went out and followed that up with a 40-point uh, game against Michigan State, including the half-court pull-up J in the <laughs> defender's face. And then since then, she's had the game after that, they went to play Rutgers, absolutely kicked the crap out of them with Caitlin in 29 minutes, had 29 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. And then she followed that performance up with another triple-double, 26, 10, and 10. And then against 14, Indiana put on an absolute clinic, 30 uh, points, 5 rebounds, and 11 assists. So she is just absolutely hoping right now. It's unbelievable what she has done for the sport. Um Best college basketball player, period, ever. Men or women, doesn't matter. She's insane. If you haven't watched her, what are you doing? Um, but, yeah, uh, of course, I feel like uh, she's a constant winner for this pod, but what she's doing for the sports, unbelievable. Yeah, speaking of, I mean, all those all those records that she holds, uh, we're watching the uh, the current game I was playing Wisconsin as we speak. Uh, she's ten points from passing Brittany Griner. Yeah, the all-time scoring uh, list. So probably another one. Uh, yeah, probably. Soon. I don't know. Ten first, points. But, you know. Yeah, it's tough for Kate. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe three minutes of <laughs> game time. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's absolutely deserving. She's the best. They absolutely kicked the crap out of fourteen uh, Indiana, as you said, a, a big-time rivalry game there after the the game last year when Kaylin hit the buzzer beater. Um, and then Iowa came out and just stomped into the curb and earning a number two spot. Um, dropping dimes. Dropping dimes, and she smokes. As <laughs> classic. Classic. Um, but any, any other ones, man? It's just Yeah. Keep, keep them rolling. Keep them rolling. Four keep them rolling. Sports. Uh, record-breaking things in sports. We got our guy, Eric Spolstra, mm. of the Miami Heat. Signed a eight-year extension worth more than a hundred and twenty million dollars, which Insane. is not just the highest amount of money that's ever been committed to an NBA coach, but any North American coach of any sport. That's insane. I mean, does just does coach's salary count against like luxury tax and salary Dang, cap? Right. I maybe not salary cap, but look, I'm sure luxury tax. I I, that's a great question. Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious about that, but that's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, bro got a bro got a like a role player plus yeah salary like and uh, the best part about it, he signed this extension like eight days after uh, he got divorced, so he kept all that. So he shout out, shout out Miami for that one. <laughs> Looking out for for my boy Spolstra. Yeah, and perhaps the biggest news. Of all of college sports. Today we got the greatest news of all time. The greatest video game is officially coming back. College football 
24 is coming back July 12th, 2024. Set your calendar. Set your calendars. Set your alarms. Make sure you grab the next gen because unfortunately it's not gonna be on the PS4 and the Xbox One. So make sure you get that new console because you know all of your friends are gonna be playing with it. Road to Glory Dynasty, hoping it's all coming back uh new and improved. Uh hopefully not too much like Madden, but uh I'm excited. I think the whole game sports gaming community is excited. I think everybody's honestly excited. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now my winner. There you go. Guess what? We're going to stick with the record-breaking theme and we're going to stick with the Iowa theme. I'm going to go with men's basketball coach Fran McCaffrey who picked up his 272nd win as head coach of the Iowa men's basketball team, becoming the all-time winningest coach in franchise or franchise in uh program history. Uh, and it was a pretty cool moment. You can see how much it meant to him. And you know, Fran McCaffrey and I haven't always seen eye to eye on things on the no. basketball court. Um, yeah, I've, let's just say I've called for his job a time or two. And yeah, I, I think uh, I think when when the hate is that loud, so does the praise needs to be that loud as well. Uh, he's done a very nice job overall as Iowa's head coach, of course. Coming off of the Todd Licklider days, brutal that the program was in the dumps. He has at least risen it from that. And even this year, in um, in 2023-2024, this team started out brutal. Uh, we, you and I were at the Iowa-Iowa State game where they just got curb stomped and it was miserable. Um, but now they've won three straight conference games. They started out 0-3 in the conference. Now... They're up to three and three. They're playing good ball. They just won a game at Minnesota. They've won at, at the barn for three straight years. That's the first time they've done. They've won in Minnesota for three straight years since like the fifties, forties or fifties. Um, it's real impressive what the team is looking like now. I think wins over Rutgers, uh, Minnesota and, uh, and, and, and Nebraska, Nebraska ball who came off of a big win against Purdue as well. So the team looked like it's turning around a little bit. And of course, the main reason for that is Coach McCaffrey. So, got to give him his flowers when, when things are going pretty well. And, yeah, he's, he is your now all-time winningest head coach in Iowa men's basketball history. Yeah. Fran McCaffrey's, uh, like you said, we aren't the biggest fans of Fran, to say the least. Um, a lot of disappointment when we had plenty of talent in the postseason, but you can't take away – uh, from what he's done for the Iowa basketball program. You talked about how bad the Todd Licklider years were. It wasn't much better before him with Steve Alford. He was here since 99 to 07. He was terrible to say the least. But uh, yeah, Fran, Fran's built a program in a pretty good uh, college basketball conference um, and produced a lot of talent, um, obviously highlighted by Luke Garza. Um, multi college player of the year guys going to the NBA. Keegan Murray, Number four overall draft pick. Keegan Murray, absolutely. Chris Murray, top twenty Chris draft Murray. pick. Yeah, real impressive stuff. Uh, when you look at it in the you know as a whole. So yeah, shout out Fran McCaffrey. Uh, don't hear me say that often. So savor it all, everybody <laughs> out there, because 
yeah, yeah, I don't say that often, but real nice job from Fran. He deserves his flowers uh, after, again, setting the record for most wins uh, as Iowa's men's basketball coach. But let's take a look on the negative side of things, shall we, Sam? Who is your loser slash losers, given the way the winners went? I assume yeah. it will be losers uh, for the, the past, like, four weeks or so. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was a while back, start of the new year. Uh, talk about starting your new year in the worst way possible. I think they take the crown for it. And that is College of Biblical Studies women's basketball team. They played Grambling State and won or lost, excuse me, 159 to 18. (laughs) Grambling State had eight players in double figures. 13 of them scored. They average one steal per minute of the game, and they average a shot every 20 seconds. College of Biblical Studies uh, had 18% from the field, 7.7% from the three, 7% from the free throw, seven. Oh. And perhaps the worst stat of it all is 52 turnovers. No way. Swear. Oh, my God. Check the God. box for 52 turnovers. 52 turnovers. That's insane. Yeah, not not great. Not great. For they, the college of at, at one point, Grambling State uh, was winning 34 to nothing. Did not allow an opponent's first points until the two-minute mark of the opening quarter. Jeez. Kind of brutal. Kind of brutal, just like this charge call, even though her entire foot was in the restricted area. Uh, but, yeah, that's not good. That is not good for the College of Biblical Studies. Yeah, kind of brutal. Kind of brutal. You got any others? No, that that's all. I, I decided to go crazy with the, uh, with the winners. I feel like it's more fun talking about that, but – we're going to talk about some big losers later on in the big episode. Time, big time. Uh, definitely could fit in here, but thought we'd big save time. that for I, later. You know, I think I might go with two losers. Okay. I think I'm I'm going to go crazy. I mean, yeah, not as crazy as you did, but I'm going to have the two losers. Uh, first one is going to be college basketball teams in the top ten, except for UConn. Because this past week was an insane week for top ten NCAA basketball teams. Uh, they pretty much all lost. Did they all lose outside of UConn? Uh, UNC. UNC won. Won. Both of their games in the past. UNC didn't week. lose, but everyone, everyone else, did, else did. And that included four of the top five, of course, the one that didn't be UConn. Uh, number one, Purdue lost to Nebraska. Was, number two was, uh, was that Houston? Yep. Lost to Iowa State. Number three. They also lost to TCU. Oh, they also lost to TCU. Yeah. Uh, and then number three was Kansas. Number three was Kansas. They lost yep. to Central Florida. And then number four, UConn. And then number five uh, was Tennessee. Tennessee. Yep. Tennessee. So not good stuff. And then shortly after, number six, Kentucky lost to Texas A&M. Yeah. So five of the top six all lost. Everyone except for UConn and UNC lost. Real, real rough, rough go of it for yeah. top ten teams this past week. So it makes college basketball. That's what makes college the basketball best. the best. The, it's, uh, the absolute us, uh, best. 
preview of March Madness. It's been I think this year is gonna be one of the craziest. Um but yeah. Should be. It's gonna Absolutely be crazy. Should be. It always is, but I feel like this year's just different. Always always right? It always is this way with college basketball. It's the best. We've said it a million times. But my other loser of the episode is going to be uh, – she's the leader of a frequent loser on this episode, and that is Kim Mulkey, head coach of LSU women's basketball. Of course, LSU women's basketball and Iowa women's basketball tend to not get along the best uh, after their matchup in the national championship game a year ago. But Kim Mulkey, out of nowhere in an interview, said something along the lines of her team don't doesn't have players that shoot 40 times a game like you see across the country. Of course, clearly referring to Caitlin Clark, who does shoot a lot because she is incredible at the sport, and Iowa is at their best when she is shooting the ball. Um, and she decided to take a shot at Caitlin Clark. By the way, they just showed some of her stats on, uh, on the, the game we're watching here. And she is 100th percentile in assists. She is 95th percentile in two-point field goal percentage and 83rd percentile in three-point field goal percentage. Does that sound like someone who takes a million shots and uh, hurts the team because of it? Yeah. The all-time leader <laughs> of assists in Iowa women's basketball history. And to put a cherry on top, then their very next game after she said those things totally out of pocket – they went ahead and they lost to Auburn. Yeah, uh, and that was awesome. That was awesome. I that was awesome. That. Quite a bit. So, Auburn's wow. a bitch. Might want to worry about your team there, Kim, and not the other team. By the way, who is seventeen and one, number two in the nation, and just beat the living crap out of Indiana. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's weird. She's not the only one that talks shit about Iowa. Um, God, South. South Carolina's coach uh, sent out a tweet about giving the ref the ball after hitting a game winner when Kaylin Clark hit that crazy one. And uh, basically a bunch of Iowa fans went after her and she has seen blocking every single one of them. Um, yeah. I, I can't remember her name, but you know who she uh, is. Don Staley. Don Staley. Thank you. I knew. Yep. I knew. What? One of us will get it. Yep. But yeah. A lot of losers, a lot of winners. This Everybody's got to be mad about Iowa. Doesn't matter the sport. <laughs> got to be mad about Iowa. Yeah. But I think we're finally done with the winners and losers. Nice little recap of some things that happened yeah. over the past four weeks or so. And I'm let's, sure we're missing some. And I'm sure we're missing I'm a sure lot. Missing we are missing a lot. But let's talk some ball, shall mm -hmm. we? Can we skip skip one? Uh, no, we're talking about that one. But we'll start on the college <laughs> side. I think we'll skip two. We want to skip two because <laughs> we have an ugly one on the college side of things as well. Uh, and that's what we'll start. We'll just get it out of the way. Um, Iowa played Tennessee. Played Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl. Um, Iowa finished the perfect season. Three games, 12 quarters, zero points ranked opponents. Almost doing that. Almost doing that. Only hey. Iowa. Hey. And they are now searching for an offensive coordinator, a position that has been a position that has been vacant yeah. for almost 80 days. Yeah. So or a position where we know it's vacant for almost 80 days. Uh we'll talk about this a little bit. Uh no, we'll, we'll save we'll save it for later. But yeah, so the position has been vacant for 80 days. They have 
Not made a decision. No idea who it is. A team that needs massive, massive offensive changes, and you don't know who's going to lead it, and it's already the new year. All right, we got Luke Lachey coming back, man. We, we do have Luke Lachey coming back. We have Cade McNamara Cade coming Mac- back. Yeah. We do and, not have Eric Hall coming and back. And Grease Boy Deke. Come on now. Yes, sir. Deacon and Hill, Marco. Statistically, the worst quarterback in Division One this year. Um, I... Uh, do we where do we want to start with this um let's start here our leading rusher was our backup quarterback yeah it's it's so bad our backup quarterback marco lane shout out where we we were told quote what's the upside to playing him where we will we 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 were told that deacon hill gives us the best chance to win we were told practice is good that deacon hill practices better than him and marco lanes came in and did nothing but make plays uh, was our leading rusher, like you said, despite playing <laughs> one quarter, if that, less than a quarter, less half a, a quarter. I don't think it was a quarter. I don't think it was a full quarter either. Um, it's, it was late in the fourth because everyone was like, why is Deacon still in? I do remember that. Yeah. So uh, it's a coaching staff who has uh, definitely put n- no faith in the fans that they're making the right decision for the team. Mm-hmm. Seems like they're making the right de- they're making decisions because they want to be right. The reason they left Deacon in, the reason they started Deacon, is because they told us Deacon was going to start, not because they thought he would give us the best chance to win. But they don't, they can't stand being wrong. So that's when things get really dicey. Of course, Brian Ferentz, this was his last game as Iowa's offensive Shout coordinator. Out. Shout out! The bad man is dead. He's <laughs> gone. Get out of here. Never want to see your stupid face again. Um, Kirk is still here. I mean, uh, it seemed like. Uh, it seemed, at least to me, granted, I've been on the the game has per- passed Kirk Ferentz train for a very long time now. This Tennessee game seemed to be a nail in the coffin. Yeah, it, it was embarrassing. What's not embarrassing, though, is you said Caitlin Clark needed five points. She needed ten. Ten. Okay, she's halfway there. She's halfway there at the end of the first. So, so we'll, we'll keep you all updated on that. But back to this game, uh, yeah, absolutely embarrassing. Um... Yeah, I mean, it, it's what we've seen all year. Um, our defense looked good, I guess. Um, not a, not the best defensive performance. I'm not going to shy away from that. But when your offense goes out there year, year in, year out, game in, game out, and produces 173 yards, it's, it's hard to keep going. Going for two for 15 on third down, basically giving your – the bet one of the best defenses all year zero rest um it, it's hard to keep going when the other team has a ball for 30 minutes and somehow we had 28 i don't believe that but i i gotta give props where props is due tennessee didn't have joe uh joe milton he set, decided to opt out of this game and I'm gonna butcher yeah, this give it a dude's try. name, Nico Iamaleve. Is that the knee? <laughs> is that the new DJ Uyungle? Uh, it's gonna take us six years. Nico, Nico. Uh, he looked freaking good. He looked man. awesome. He looked very, awesome. very, very comfortable in the pocket. Uh, made plays on his feet when he needed to, and he was kind of carving up our secondary. Um, so, sh- yeah, I mean. We we can really dive deep into it. 
but you know where we stand with this football team. Absolutely embarrassing that uh, they prepped a whole month of the season to do this and not even put up three. Um, and we, we had opportunities. Um, I remember early early in the game, Deacon, Hill's interception. Deacon Hill, shocker to literally no one. Um, but, yeah, absolutely embarrassing. Um, it, but as embarrassing as this game is, it's even more embarrassing. We haven't had a offensive coordinator hired this offseason. But, hey, we got uh, an assistant to head coach. Sick. It's so, like you said, the only word is embarrassing. We are a punchline now. We got people taking shots at Iowa because it's funny. Because now, because it's an it's an absolute joke of a program. That's where we are right now because of the brain dead retirement home head coach <laughs> we currently have, who thinks the who thinks the year is nineteen forty. That's that's the state of Iowa football. And of course, the minute you get absolutely embarrassed on our national stage, you do not score a single point against a ranked opponent all year long, to which you only played three. Again, three is a hilariously low amount of ranked opponents. That is a unbelievably easy schedule you didn't score a single point you got less than 200 yards in this game against a bad tennessee defense this is not a good defense by any stretch of the imagination and uh and then the first thing out of his mouth well we had a good season no you didn't no you did not yeah you won 10 games you won 10 games against minnesota purdue and freaking northwestern that means nothing that means absolutely nothing. Tell me how many games you win next year when you have to play Ohio exactly. State, Michigan State, when you got to play Washington. Like, Michigan State is going to be better than they were this year. So, you'll probably lose that game, too. Probably. Northwestern will be better. Like, this, uh, this yeah, Iowa it's team, be scary. if they don't make crazy changes, is going to be they won't. awful next let's, year. Let's so be this honest is good. So, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to that. Oh, we won 10 games. Yeah, because you played crap. Crap. Slightly better crap beats crap. And we barely, barely beat majority. And we barely beat majority. Yeah, um, really and, frustrating. And then, but on the other side of things, if you're a Tennessee fan, you got to be real excited about Nico. Not going to try that last name. No, you have um, to. Nico, I am a lava. I think that sounds I am a right. Lava. But he looked really good, dynamic with his legs, three rushing touchdowns. Uh, he'll only develop more as a passer. I'd be very excited. Yeah, absolutely. Against one, like I said, then I don't think anybody can argue. One of the best uh, defenses in all of college football. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we'll keep moving on because we can't. We can. We can just keep taking shots at Iowa football all day long. But we won't. Unlike Deacon Hill. Unlike unlike Deacon Hill. Oh man. Anyway, we'll move on um, to Georgia Florida State. It yeah. was a big time game uh, for the national storylines out there, uh, specifically surrounding. Florida State, but also a little bit around Georgia talking about did they get the right teams for the playoff, yada, yada, yada. Of course, Michigan State looked – or excuse me, Florida State looked like they didn't want to be there. They had a yeah. ton of opt-outs. They had 24 opt-outs around there. A ton of opt-outs, and the game was absolutely brutal. 63-3, to yeah. Georgia won. Yeah, one – I mean, this just shows you – Georgia was one of the best four teams in college. They like, were. The fact they weren't in, I, I do think the committee did get it right, but this is why it's expanding because uh, Georgia was – they slipped up once. and then, um, I I think they 
that's a story for another day. But yeah, Tanner, Florida State didn't get the fuck. I mean, <laughs> pardon my French, but nobody wanted to be there. <laughs> I mean, you put up three, you put three more points in Iowa. Like, come on, bro. Um, it was so clear who the better team was, which we we all knew who was the better team. But personally, if I get screwed over going into college football playoffs, I'm having everyone come back and try beat Georgia. I think the whole narrative switches. If you even compete with Georgia, you don't even have to win. Just compete. And Mark people here, Starling Jake March. It's a must. It's a must compete. It it truly was a must compete because nobody gave Florida State a shot in this one. Let's be honest. Um, and they went out there and looked like a middle school team playing a Division One football team, just absolutely ransacked. And let's be honest, Tanner. Georgia just made it look effortless. I mean, their backup quarterback. Gunner Stockton was six for ten, ninety-six yards, two touchdowns. I mean, I can I can look at the stats, but y'all can too. It was just an absolute ass kicking. Um, it was very clear Florida State had nothing to do with this game, especially with all the opt-outs. But this is why, um, I unfortunately think we're gonna see a lot more of this. Uh, and um. Uh, college football postseason unfortunately i just think that's gonna be how it is uh but i mean georgia is this a st- like is this just a- proving how much better they are than like this it was the gap between four and six i don't know just an absolute dog walk by the dogs yeah for me this is this is a this is a clear warning sign to uh Nancy is that this is the route your sport is going um, with just unmitigated action in the transfer portal. No rules, no nothing. You'll get this. And it's such an easy fix. It's really frustrating uh, because, you know, if someone wants to sit out, if someone sits out because they think they're going to the NFL draft, not much you can do about it. Yeah. Fine. If someone sits out because they're entered the transfer portal, that's BS. Yeah. And it's such an easy fix. Ready? Transfer portal doesn't open till after the season. Tell me what's what? imagine imagine in the You're NBA. Crazy. Imagine the NFL if they're entering the playoffs and they're like, yeah, free agency's open. Like you can go sign wherever you want. Yeah. You know, do it. What kind of crap is that? That's awful. I cannot believe that this is the system we have now. Um, transfer portal absolutely should open. Um uh oh. Caitlin Clark looks to be slow getting up, but she's good. Um the transfer portal absolutely has to open after the season, after bowl games are played. Limit number of transfers. You had a system for the longest time in college sports where if you transferred, you had to sit out a year. Yeah. Nobody did it. You remember that? Wow, what a time. Maybe you give them one. One transfer on the house, right? One mm-hmm. transfer, you can just go and play. But any transfer after that one, you have to wait a year. Yeah. I guarantee you they plummet. You think Dylan Gabriel's mm-hmm. transferring from Oklahoma – yeah. If he has to sit out a year to go play at Oregon, of course not. It's insane what we have now, and it's such a goddamn easy fix. It's yeah. brutal right now. But that that that's what this game said to me. It said, Dear NCAA, fix this crap. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It was uh that really was the message of this game. However, sure. there is something to be said, as you kind of alluded to, Sam. Both teams felt like they should have got in, right? I personally, I think the, the world thought Florida State had a better case than Georgia, but both teams felt like they should have got in. One team said, F this, the system is rigged, I'm not playing. One team said, F you, I'm going to show you why we're one of the top four teams and went out and beat the living crap out of the other. Yeah. Which program do you want to play for? Yeah. I know for me it's a clear answer. And that's kind Iowa. of frustrating right. from <laughs> Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, I want to yeah, that's right. <laughs> Iowa, where you can be a fat out of shape loser and you won't lose your job. But <laughs> that's my another one of my takeaways. If you're a recruit and you're looking at this and you're deciding between Florida State and Georgia, one team packed it in, one team said, Let's go win a damn football game. Yeah, absolutely. Any more thoughts on the absolute shellacking? No. Not Let's really. talk about some playoff games. Yeah. Huh? We will start. Which one do you want to start? You want to go in chronological order? Yeah, let's go chronological. All right. So we'll start with the Rose Bowl, Alabama and Michigan. I I went on record saying that this was the college basketball or college, basketball, college football right. semifinal game I was most looking forward to. And it went to overtime. It did not disappoint. Wolverines, of course, won this game 27 to 20. Yeah, before I kick off the analysis of this college football playoff as a whole, um, this was by far the best four we've had. Both games were awesome. Went down the wire. That's stupid. Logo Clark. That's stupid. For all those wondering. Um, but this game was awesome. Came down to wire. Um, two, two, of the best teams going down the wire, uh, came up short the play call, but Jalen Milrow, not, not great showing from him. Did not look, uh, 16 for 23, 116 yards, zero touchdowns, both rushing and throwing. Didn't throw the ball, throw a pick, but definitely wasn't the guy we've seen, um, throughout the season he looked like a Heisman caliber quarterback and he just was not was not playing well this game to put it lightly um I, it pissed me off that Michigan ended up winning this one terrible play call terrible snap by uh Alabama their the problems they had with their snap their uh center was unexcusable um how many low snaps uh low uh muff snaps did Alabama have I really do think that played into the production of the offense uh especially down uh quarterback draw um late in the game but as much as I like to bash Bama and their poor offensive production J.J. McCarthy, 17 for 27, three tuds. Um, I kind of mentioned this, Tanner. I mentioned if Alabama makes J.J. McCarthy make plays with his arm and not just handing the ball off, I get, I like Alabama a lot. And J.J. McCarthy proved me freaking wrong, let me tell you. Uh, looked great this game. Um, obviously helps when you have a guy like Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards in your backfield. 
Uh, Blake Horn kind of played better than not kind of did play better than Donovan Edwards. He's kind of been a dog since he walked on Michigan's campus. But yeah, I mean, Alabama somewhat took away that dominant rushing attack and Michigan still found a way. Yeah, I think I think you nailed that uh, that analysis there. I mean, Jalen Milrow did not look good, as you said. Couldn't we didn't really throw the ball worth worth a crap. Like they had nothing through their passing game. Uh, he was okay in the rushing game, of course. Um, and Alabama was much better on the ground than they were through the air throughout the course of this game. Uh, but for me, the, the the game comes out of two plays, and it was the uh, fumble from Jalen Milrow when. Alabama had the ball up seven and was driving. They were in plus territory. Uh, I think it was in either in the third or the fourth quarter. It was definitely in the second half. Uh, and he fumbled. And that was a big momentum momentum shift in the game. I think Michigan obviously recovered it, but they missed the field goal. Uh, but it was a complete reset of field position. And obviously, Alabama was probably going to come away with points on that drive. Uh, Michigan shortly then tied it, and then we went to overtime. Um and then the second one, of course, is that final play call in overtime, as you said. Um, Scott always starts with the center. As you said, center was going through it. Hmm. Multiple bad snaps, multiple drop snaps, putting Alabama behind the sticks uh, in scramble situations. Like, it was it was, uh, it was, was bad. It was, and it's hard to run an efficient offense when your center can't get your quarterback the football. Uh, but on that last play, it was a pretty clear play design, I thought, um, where – kind of motioned everything going one way and you had your back slipping out the other way. And all he had to do was beat the linebacker one-on-one to the pylon. Uh, and that's what the play was. And I think the low snap once, uh, once Milro saw the low snap, he just panicked and abandoned it. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he should have done that. I think, I think he should have stuck with it. The play was there and trust your running back to make a play. He didn't, he completely abandoned it and decided he was going to run it himself. So, uh, I think a lot of this game is on is on Milrow, but of course you got to do give some some credit to to Michigan's defense, the best unit in uh, in college football. They were yeah incredible in this game. Alabama's offense was absolutely humming uh, before this, uh, and on the back of Milrow, of course. But yeah, for me, those two plays, and and neither team was at their best. Uh, people were using it as a as you know a rallying cry to get Florida State in because neither team looked great, and they're mm. like, wow, if only we could get someone. We could, who could play this like, yeah. play this well. Anyway, well, neither team was at their best. Michigan found a way to win on the back of J.J. McCarthy, as you said, not as much the running game as we all thought it was going to be. Yeah. But moving on to the later semifinal game, Washington versus Texas. Obviously, another banger. Washington came away with this win, 37-31. Michael Penix Jr. had the best college football performance of the year in this game. The throws he was making to his receiving core, specifically Roma Dunze, he looked like he could do no wrong in this game. Absolutely amazing performance by him. Um, came down to the wire just like uh, Michigan, Alabama. And Michael Penix, man, carried this Washington Husky team. Obviously, that was the story with Washington. Obviously, a Pac-12 team doesn't have a very strong defense. You just got outscored the other team. And Penix led the offense and 
seriously one of the greatest college football performances uh, I've seen in a while. 430 yards, two tuds, and most importantly, zero interceptions. Got some help from uh, Dylan Johnson in the backfield, carried two in to help them. But got a shout out there to lean receivers. Roma Dunze, I mentioned, had 125 yards with an average of 20.8 per reception. And Jalen Polk, uh, five receptions, 122 with one touchdown. It seemed like this Washington offense was unstoppable and led by Michael Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, the story of this game starts and ends with number nine. Unbelievable. He was magnificent. Everything was on time. It was on target. It was thrilling to watch, especially as a team who's looking to draft a quarterback in this year's upcoming draft. It was very exciting to watch. Um, you mentioned everything. Their defense, you're never going to get a top top flight performance out of Washington's defense. I thought they were more impressive than the 31 points say on the scoreboard. Um, it should have been a lot less. This game did get close at the end. It absolutely shouldn't have been close, but it did. Um, but I, I, any time talking about something in this game that isn't Michael Penix is wasted time when you could have been talking about Michael yeah. Penix because he was awesome. You look on the flip side of things, someone like Quinn Ewers, way less efficient, right? 24 for 43. 318. I mean, he still slings the rock because he's Texas, right? Mm -hmm. Gonna have some sort of air raid offense out of out of Steve Sarkeesian in Texas. But yeah, nowhere near as efficient as number nine. 430 and two touchdowns. That is insane stuff out of Penix and was absolutely the reason why Wisconsin or Wisconsin. Jeez. Washington won this game. I was playing Wisconsin on the TV. Um so that set up our national championship game. Michigan, Washington, two best teams in college football, according to the records. They were both the two undefeateds. 14 and overs, 14 and 0. Michigan comes out. Hail to the victors, the national champions, 34 13. You know what we just said about Michael Penix, how amazing he was? Uh, he flipped the switch off in this one. Um, had went 27 for 51, 255 yards, one touch, two interceptions. Obviously, we saw him banged up, but it just wasn't the same Phoenix uh, we've seen all year just slinging the damn thing and making it look effortless. Obviously, didn't see that. Um, we mentioned how good. J.J. McCarthy was in the passing game. Did nothing this game. Uh, Blake Corum, it, it returned to the Michigan we've seen all year. 303 rushing yards led by uh, Blake Corum. Put on an absolute clinic from the backfield. 21 carries, 134 yards, two tuds. Personally, I think he was one of the most underrated. As much love as this... Um, as this Michigan rushing attack got, it seemed people overlooked like how truly dominant Blake Horn could be because he was paired with probably the second best running back, Donovan Edwards. Um, but they combined for 238 yards eat, uh, combined for 27 carries and four touchdowns. So tale of two games really uh, for both teams. One, um, being 
unbelievable on offense and then meeting a Big Ten defense in Michigan, probably the best in the country. I mean, I not I guess, but yes, they they by far were. I uh, shut down one, one of the most prolific offenses led by one of the most prolific quarterbacks. And then on the Michigan side, the defense was all, always there. We knew that coming into both of these games. But the fact they could go from almost a pass-first team, Tanner, to a run-first and be dominant in both ways was truly impeccable, uh, impressive. Um, I got a shout-out. As much as I don't like the guy, Jim Harbaugh coached two fantastic games, and that's why him and his Wolverines are crown champions at the end of this. Yeah, this is what Michigan wanted to do. This was the Michigan when they're at their best is what they did in this game. Um, 443 yards of offense for Michigan in this game. 140 passing yards. That's scary hours when you're playing Michigan. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Blake Corum. Obviously, far and away, the best player on this Michigan offense. Donovan Edwards would be a starting running back on pretty much every other team in the league. <laughs> Yeah. The dude is a beast. He's a dog. He's just behind the court. Yeah. He is a bigger dog. And we saw that in this game. Um JJ McCarthy was the guy who he was the guy in the group project who didn't do anything and got an out. Yeah. He showed up. He didn't throw any interceptions. And just game manager. Game manager. Exactly. And he does a damn good job at and it. He did a very very good job of it in this game. Uh, switching over to Michael Penix, you said it. As good as he was against Texas, that's how bad he was in this game. It's It would have been one thing if he was constantly under pressure, if he was having to bail out of the pocket, make decisions. Yeah. Sure, Michigan's pass rush got to him more than Texas did. But wide open receivers were missed, Sam. Yeah. The fourth down to Adunze, wide open, overshot him. Big time swing game. Probably would have been a touchdown if they're able to connect on that pass. Uh, there was a pass in the end zone on the opening drive where Dunze had a step and he overshot him there as well. Uh, very uncharacteristic out of Penix. I don't know what happened. Maybe just the intimidation factor of Michigan was enough to get him off his rhythm. I really don't know what it was. Flashbacks from his Indiana days. Yeah, maybe. Right? yeah. The flashback from his Indiana days. Although, when he was in Indiana, they beat Michigan. Oh, really? Yeah. That's um, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just – it was really weird to see, and it sucks because it would have been great to see the nation's best defense go against a Michael Penix that's slinging the damn rock all over the place. But that's not what we got. Uh, however, it is worth mentioning, the game was a lot closer than 34-13 shows. Um, it was a seven-point game like halfway through the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh when I believe it was a it was a a turnover from Washington led to a touchdown and then I believe it was a pick six as uh, Washington was trying to uh was really trying to get back in the game down 14. But sorry, we're we're getting distracted <laughs> with Iowa basketball, of course, the number 2 ranked Hawkeyes. They're up 43-28 over Wisconsin looking damn good. Uh, but, yeah, that's pretty much all I got in this game. It was the the Michigan does Michigan things. They mm -hmm. stop the other team, and they run the damn football. Yeah. And they let J.J. McCarthy 
Just manage the game. That's when Michigan's at their best, and that's what they were able to do in this game, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it was a fun out of out of the uh, <laughs> she's so good. By the way, she scored 10 points if y'all were wondering. Podcasting uh, while your favorite <laughs> team, who's also number two in the nation, is playing is not easy work. Um, but this was by far the best four team playoff we've seen. Um I don't, I don't think it's even I mean, close. going to have some sort of revisionist history where they look back and it's like, wow, Michigan-Washington, 34-13. It was not that lopsided, but. Yeah. yeah right? I mean, it was. I'd, I'd take two two amazing semifinals and maybe get an okay championship. Mm-hmm. I'd rather two's better than one. Usually we get a curb stomping and. Two curb stomping, a curb stomping, and then a decent game or a good game. Yeah, last year it flipped. Yeah. Remember, every single year before that, it was like Alabama versus like the number four Washington. Maybe, it was Washington. It was Cincinnati. Yeah, it was Michigan State one year, like, mm-hmm. and they beat the crap out of them. Then two versus three would be like would be some other game where the yeah. same thing would happen. I think we had a remember we had Michigan Georgia Georgia yeah. beat the crap out of Michigan. I think that was K McNamara actually. But last year we had the awesome semifinal games, yeah. Michigan TCU, high scoring affair, uh, and then we had uh, we had the Ohio State Georgia game, mm-hmm. awesome movie stuff on the East Coast. That field goal missed, oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Night. I it do remember insane, that insane, insane timing. Uh, but yeah, and then the the final TCU, yeah, got Ripped. ransacked by <laughs> yeah. Georgia. Um, they had. I do like the new schedule, though. I was a fan of that. Because uh, when – what day – did they play New Year's Day? Uh, they played New Year's Day. Because I lo- New Year's I- Eve this year was a Sunday. So, the NFL had it. NFL runs all. NFL runs all. I was wondering why they switched that. But that yep. makes sense. It'll, it'll pretty much always be New Year's Eve unless it's a Sunday. Yeah. will switch it to New Year's Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but – we got a lot of movement in the head coaching portal. There's all the transfer portal, and there's the head coaching portal. Uh, some teams are some coaches that are switching teams. Some we had talked about on the podcast already. Some we hadn't. Uh, Indiana went out and got Kurt Signetti from James Madison. He did an excellent job with the Dukes, of course. Made a bowl game this year when – Everyone took on uh, took on the NCAA, waged war against the NCAA to get James Madison bowl eligible. They succeeded. Um, so that was pretty awesome. Great job from him. He's going up to Indiana. Uh, Northwestern actually went and made David Braun their full-time head coach. He removed it. Yeah. Removed the, uh, in, the interim tag. He was awesome. Both <laughs> of us definitely way too harsh on him when we did our power rankings of Big Ten coaches. Yeah, that was tough. Fantastic job. Also, shout out him for cashing my last super dog of the year. <laughs> Northwestern, another one wins outright. Uh, Michigan State <laughs> went out and got Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. Yeah. Another great job he did with the uh, with the Beavs. They were a top fifteen team all year. DJU was the under center for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that team was was quite good. Uh, Texas A and M. They went and got Mike Elko, another great hire in my opinion. He was a Duke. He did, again did a great job with Duke. They had a great start to the season this year. Fell off a little bit. Got injured. 
which yeah. sucks. Uh, Ryan Leonard, of course, was out for a lot of the, mm-hmm. in the second half of the year. Uh, but Mike Elko did a great job at Duke, so he's on his way to College Station. The big one. The big, big, big one. Nick Saban retiring as Alabama's head coach. Absolute stunner. Didn't think I'd ever see the day. Um, it's kind of a shame that Jim Harbaugh, of course, had to be the last one. Put the nail in the coffin on Nick Saban. They went and got Kalen DeBeer from Washington. Incredible job at Washington, obviously. National championship or national championship game a year ago. So that's yeah. about as good as you get. Alabama's head coaching job or head coaching position was vacant for less than 48 hours. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. Less how, than 48 hours. Can you imagine going into that job, though? How do you do it? You, you, you I wouldn't in. want that job. I would. I feel like you couldn't. Like, I, I, I don't. I mean, I get it. Bama's Bama. Mm-hmm. But it seems like a very much a lose-lose situation. You go into Bama, replace Nick Saban. You leave a team where you just lost in the national title game. You were undefeated all year long. Like, everyone in Washington hates you. Yeah. If you don't live up to Nick Saban, which is very possible because no one lives up to Nick Saban, yeah. everyone in Alabama is going to hate you. It it seems like there's a there's a lot of ways in which this goes wrong for, for Kalen DeBeer. But he took it, so he is now leading the tide, expected to take a lot of his uh, staff with him. Of course, Ryan Grubb, a name, a name that a lot of Iowa fans are monitoring. Mm-hmm expected to go to Alabama. So I don't think yeah. he's coming here. Uh, and then lastly, Washington to replace their new vacant head coaching position. They go out to Arizona and they get Jed fish again, another great job with the wildcats, a team that we talked about a lot as yeah. the hottest team in college football in the second half, beating Oklahoma in their mm-hmm. bowl game. Did some work in that pac 12 in the second half of the year, Jed fish going up to Seattle to replace. Yeah. Uh, to be, so, yeah, I mean, any it, of those the, stand out to you? Uh, as, uh... I mean, I think the obvious one is going to be that Alabama. I think another uh, kind of crazy one that was kind of expected, but didn't re- think the school would pull the uh, pull the plugs. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, yeah, um, being canned uh, for or mutually parted, basically canned from uh, Texas A&M, getting that massive, massive buyout. Um, but obviously kind of out of the blue, Nick Saban hangs it up. Uh, the greatest college football coach of all time finally hangs it up. Um, career that included seven natties, 12 conference championships, 11 in the SEC and one, uh, when he was with Toledo, uh, in the Mac 19 bowl game wins. And never had a losing season. His worst season being ninety six and ninety eight at Michigan State, where they finished five hundred. Um, he his all time record is two hundred and ninety two and seventy one and one. Um, just I mean, we we can talk about uh Nick Saban, what impact he's had, um how many all his accolades we'd be here and the podcast would be three hours. Um, but it, it's crazy 
it's going to be weird without him. Um, two, two great, uh, college or two faces of football, the sport of football, uh, hanging it up. We'll talk about the other one later on in the episode, but it's going to be weird without Nick Saban on the Alabama sideline. For sure. For sure. I am praying and hoping that uh, game day makes a, makes a big deal to get Saban on. Love to hear him talk about games. Uh, um, maybe phase out Lee Corso a little bit. Seems Please. like uh, seems like he he's on on his way out. Of course, with his age, um, but seems like that would be a good spot for for Nick Saban to stay in all of our minds and stay within college football. Uh, I like to bring uh, some attention to Washington's hire because I think it's a real impressive thing when your head coach unexpectedly leaves like that um, for a job that was unexpectedly vacant less than 48 hours before he actually left and uh and you're able to go and get make make a hire like jed fish i think that's a, that's a really good yeah. job from washington um but yeah so washington's head coaching job was vacant for less than a couple days alabama's head coaching job was vacant for less than a couple days i know the jobs aren't exactly apples to apples but Iowa's offensive coordinator position will be will be vacant for for about eighty days. It's all right. Yeah. Our so. best offense is our defense, which we tied that down. There you go. Yes. Phil Parker Dr. getting a little Phil. bit of a raise. Doctor Phil. <laughs> Doctor Phil. We trust. Yeah. But that's gonna put a bow Sad. on this twenty twenty three NCAA football season. The lone tear rolling down Sam's face. It sucks. Uh, but soon enough, Saturdays will be back. Electricity in the air will be back. Uh, it got me thinking about the entirety of this season. Do you remember against Utah State when Cade McNamara threw like a 50-yard touchdown pass to a wide-open Seth Anderson? It was the yeah. transfer portal to transfer portal, and it seemed like we were so back, and we were going to be – Oh, boy, like, were we wrong. Oh, boy, were we wrong. Granted, injuries had a big, big role to play Don't with that, but still. Not a good showing from me. And, and with all roads lead back to Iowa. And no more Tory Taylor. And no more Tory Taylor. As we well. did. We did get another Aussie from the same punting academy. That yes. Tory speaking. Went. How do we not mention this when we're talking about awards and nominations? Tory Taylor. Yeah. I think. What I think he passed. He got both the all-time career punting record, punting yards record, and the single-season punting yards record in the game against Tennessee. Yeah. So, punting is winning unless you're playing a ranked opponent. Correct. Punting is winning as long as you play a heaping pile of dog shit as a football team. Then, then punting is winning. Yeah. If you play anyone with a pulse, punting is losing, i.e. a ranked team or apparently Minnesota, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Not, that was not a fair catch. But <sighs> should we move on to the NFL? Uh, Do you, should we, I mean, Sam? Should we? should we? How's the Vikings? <laughs> Hey, all right, all right, fair enough. <laughs> I understand you're hurting. That was a cheap shot. Uh, we had Super Wild Card Weekend this past weekend. Due to weather in Buffalo, New York, we ended up with a schedule, an altered schedule, two Saturday, two Sunday, two Monday. So that is the order. In which How it should have been from the beginning. Seems like that makes a lot of sense, <laughs> but hey, that's just us. Um, we'll start Saturday afternoon. Texans-Browns. An underratedly, what I thought was going to be an underratedly good game. I was wrong. It was an absolute blowout. It was a shit pumping. Texans 
beat the crap out of the Browns, 45 to 14. Stroud boys, stand up, baby. CJ Stroud, how you doing? Obviously, you know me and Tanner have always been on the board of CJ Stroud being better than Bryce Young. The Panthers made a mistake. CJ Stroud just won the Texans a playoff football game. Huh? Yeah. CJ Stroud looked unbelievable this game. Uh, 16 for 21, 274 yards, three touchdowns. Nico Collins uh, being that main receiver for CJ Stroud. Um, talk about a great draft for the Texans. CJ Stroud, um, they got uh, who's their their quarterback uh, or, or uh, edge rusher. Edra, Will, Will Anderson, Anderson. Absolute dog. Man, absolute beast. I mean, this team's so fun, man. I, I love it. Um, uh, they also got another dude. Uh, he's a cor- Derek Stingley. That was, from, yeah, from a few years ago. Stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid. They're so good. This game is easy when you draft well. The game is easy when you Take draft well. Take notes. Any other NFL? Yeah, <laughs> And even I don't, I don't. Did they switch GMs recently? Because I feel like you could say take notes Texans, yeah. because they. I wouldn't say they had the best track record of drafting, but yeah, boy, did they turn it around. Yeah, this is a really fun team. CJ Stroud is special, man. Special. His, his young wide receivers are promising. Um, I mean, they brought in some veteran presence too to help supplement, it, like Dalton Schultz to play yeah. tight end, like. And everyone seemed to forgot about Laramie Tunsil, one of the best tackles in the league, protecting mm-hmm. CJ Stroud without issue. And then you take a look at their defense. You mentioned Stingley, Will Anderson. I can't say enough about Will Anderson. It's a shame that he's the second best rookie on. on <laughs> it's crazy. He's one of the best rookies in the entire league thus far. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but he's going to be overshadowed by Stroud. But he has been incredible. Um, they're a really fun team. And what more can you say about? Um, Oh my god, I lost his name. Oh no. Texans head coach. Oh no. Um oh no. Oh no. Are we on fraud alert? We on no ball. You oh hate to see god. it. This sucks. I can D'Amico. D'Amico Ryan. D'Amico Ryan. That's on wow. us. We'll wear that. Wow, that's on us. We will wear it. But, yeah, what more can you say about D'Amico Ryans, man? Um, I mean, he was the 49ers defensive coordinator. Have they had any good defenses recently? Yeah. And then goes on to Houston a year after, mind you, they had the number two pick. They had the number two pick in the NFL. That's how bad they were last year. Now they're in the divisional round. Yeah. In the NFL. Yeah. Um, and on as much praise as we uh, – Give the Texans all good things come to an end for the Browns. Joe Flacco didn't look great this game. Uh, Numbers look decent, but those two picks ended up being costly mistakes. Um, Basically had no running game whatsoever. The defense, the dominant Browns defense we've been talking about week in, week out. Miles Garrett being a potential D. DPOY, where were they? CJ Stroud carved you up like a ham on Christmas Eve. Let's go. It was embarrassing. Uh, 
but where do the Browns go from here? Seriously, like you got you got Deshaun Watson tying up a lot of money. Like I I seriously don't know where you go with this. I mean, yeah, that's the problem, right? Because like you look at this team and you'd say, where do you go from here? Where do you go into next year? Because you'll get healthy next year, right? And you that's have your players back. But I bet you want Deshaun Watson healthy. Like he was, te- he's just been terrible. <laughs> And you've seen what this Browns team can do with Joe Flacco playing yeah. quarterback, let alone someone good. I mean, I think obviously it sucks with the cap hit. I don't know if there's anything that can be done with that. Um, but like this Browns team, can you imagine them with like a Kirk Cousins or something? Yeah. Like with any of these impending free agent quarterbacks, like they would be a really damn good football team uh, with some of these guys. But the quarterback is the big issue here. The defense is great. Of course, they didn't look great in this game, but the defense is great. Uh, the running game normally is great. Nick Chubb has been out for a while. Um, and I think they had to just abandon the run so early because they were down so much uh, in this game. Uh, and then figure out the quarterback. That seems to be the path forward for the Browns. And that is a lot easier said than done, as you said, with the amount of money wrapped up in Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson. Uh, but I feel like this day, this day belongs to the Texans. They, they absolutely they were. They were awesome. That defense was awesome. You mentioned the two pick sixes. Uh, at that point, it seemed to be like, oh, Flacco. Like, like you know, when you're like, oh, Grandpa. Oh, time to go to bed. Like, that's kind of what it felt like when yeah. Flacco was out there. But I think Browns fans uh, still appreciate Flacco, and they, oh, yeah. they, they still I'm look back not. on the year and what a magical year it was for, for the Browns. And it's the Browns. So yeah. seasons like this don't come around often. Yeah, absolutely. But on Saturday night, we had – the frozen tundra in Kansas City, of course, the Midwest with record low temperatures. Uh, Miami went to Kansas City in below zero. I believe the actual temperature was like minus in the minus teens or minus 30. That was the real feel, right? That yeah. Was the feel. Uh, yeah, so yeah, the yeah. temperature was like in the minus teens. The yeah. feel was in minus 30. Uh, yeah. Miami Dolphins in their candy ass uniforms. <laughs> they can't play in the cold. Definitely didn't look like it. Tua looked god awful, and the Chiefs won this one comfortably. Yeah, twenty six I mean, to seven was the score. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if the the weather didn't play a role in this one. But but it's not like one was playing in seventy degree weather and the other was playing in minus thirty. Both teams had to overcome the weather, and uh, Kansas City just has more dog in them. At the end of the day, I mean, when you have a coach. Uh, literally has icicles coming from his beard mustache. And then you got Mike McDaniel freezing literally in an ice box. I mean, it, it really is a men. I think this was more of a mental win than anything. Cause I do think both teams were as good. I mean, we saw what this dominant offense can do of Miami. We saw what this offense can do with the chiefs i i truly believe uh kansas city had a tougher mentality um and i i'd be lying to the listeners if i didn't think the weather did have an impact in this game absolutely you nailed it when you said mental win because kansas city wanted to be there they were like hell yeah this is fun miami looked like they wanted to die Every single one of them. There was not a player on that field who looked like they wanted anything to do with playing in that game, starting with Mike McDaniel. 
And we all love to joke about, oh, I love McDaniel. He's so funny. His attitude's great when you're winning. He's fun. Mm -hmm. When you're not, I don't know if he has it in him to lay into guys and be like, this isn't acceptable. We need to do better. Yeah. And I'm not sure as a motivator of men how he is as a coach. And specifically this year when things spiraled south because they had the East one. The Bills were dead. They were dead. They choked it. Yeah. All they had to do was win one game. Their collapse against Tennessee when they were up 14 with two minutes left on, on the clock. We were watching that on a Monday night. Mm-hmm. You win that game, this game's in Miami. But you didn't. You choked, yeah. so you had to go on the road. It's uh, I question Mike McDaniel. Of course I question, too. Oh, my God, did he look terrible down the stretch. Awful. Um, I, I question their toughness. I question everything about this Miami <laughs> team. And we talked about where do you go from here. Miami's got talent for days. They got talent across the board. That defense was banged up, of course. That that is worth mentioning. You got to mention it. But this, I mean, this, this was an ass kicking. From it was a complete domination all around. And the playoffs are played in January. I hate to break it to you, Mike McDaniel. Who knows? Maybe you can get a pass through all indoor stadiums. Maybe you can get mm-hmm. the one seed and be home the entire time. I don't know. You're gonna have to play outdoor games in January. So figure it out. Yeah. Simple put. And. It confirmed our suspicions. The Dolphins absolutely were frauds. Um, not much more you can say about it. 264 yards of offense. They looked dead. They were dead. They were dead. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to Sunday afternoon uh, in the NFC. <laughs> the Packers and Cowboys played. Uh, I'm sure you all know how this game went. I'm sure none of you live under a rock. But... The final score was 42, wrong, 48 to 32. Packers strolling into Jerry's world and beating the Cowboys. Uh, at this point, I will turn off my mic and I will turn it over to my co host. 48 32 doesn't sound bad. But when you get 16 of those 32 in crunch time when, or in uh, garbage time when. The Packers have had this one since halftime when they were up 27 to 7. It, it really was an ass kicking by the Packers. Um, I'll, I'll start off game props where props is due. Um, Matt LaFleur simply outcoached uh, Mike uh, McCar- Fatso McCarthy. Um, I mean, let's put it how it is. It, it, what the Cowboys looked like, looked like shit. I mean, uh, George. We supposedly had this great defense, right? Micah Parsons, still dog. Uh, but Stephon Gilmore got cooked multiple times. Probably one of the worst defensive plays I've seen uh, since Jamari Harris for Iowa played cornerback. Uh, but Jordan Love looked good, really good in this one. Uh, we we praised C.J. Shaw, uh in their game. Jordan Love put damn near uh, exact numbers, 16 for 21, uh, 272 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Aaron Jones, it's amazing what happens when you give him the ball. 118 yards, three touchdowns. Um, so the, that's that's the only love I'm going to give the Packers. 
uh, they kicked our ass and I, I, I tip cap where tip tip in the cap is uh, due. Um, but looking on the cowboy side of things, what the fuck that like, bro, you, there's been a narrative around you for the entire season. Can he protect the ball? And you did that. You did that. So, so props to you for not throwing 10 interceptions in the regular season. But when the lights get brightest, you shit the bed four, five, six times. I mean, this dude looked like shit. Two interceptions. You have three touchdowns, but how many, how many of those were when the game was already decided? At? That's what I'm saying. Uh, Tony Pollard, where were you? 56 yards. I thought you were supposed to be the next great running back for the Dallas Cowboys. Nope, clearly not. C.D. Lamb, not a single touchdown, 110 yards. Okay, cool. Um, but what is probably the most concerning is it seemed like Green Bay had the ball for three-fourths of the entire game. I, I think their first drive um, was half or more, slightly more than half the uh, first quarter. Um, it's from what I've heard and what I've seen, our defense was really good, but clearly not this game. Um, it seemed the Cowboys were just happy to have home field advantage. Everyone thought, oh, Cowboys home. Packers don't have a chance. It seemed like the Cowboys already won this one in their head. And the Packers said, boy, you got another thing coming. Packers dominated and simply put uh, outright embarrassed the Cowboys when they had legitimately uh, Super Bowl aspirations and they shit to bed when the lights were bright. I really, really hope that people don't end up just looking at the stats in this game and looking at Dak's end stats and being like, wow. Yeah. Because he was not bad. He was pitiful in this game. He was terrible in this game. Two crucial picks. One goes for a pick six. Constantly missing CD Lamb. Him and him and CD. Him and CD. Some have. We're not. I, they look I'm, like they want to I'm, kill each other. I'm waiting for some locker room drama because you know it's going to come out it was, at some point. It was crazy. Like we just went through everything that CD did this year earlier in the episode, namely the number of catches, like 135 catches or something like that. And they were not on the same page whatsoever. They looked like they wanted nothing to do with each other. Uh, really perplexing. Um, and it was elite stat padding by Dak. I guess you got to give him that, right? Uh, 400 plus multiple touchdowns in a game to which they were never in. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty impressive stuff from Dak uh, yeah. in terms of the stat padding goes. But he, he was terrible in this game. The defense, man. Oh, my goodness. This was a Dallas defense that seemed to take the ball away from opponents all the time. Mm-hmm. Of course, we all know they were without uh, they were without. Trayvon Diggs through the entirety of the year. Stephon Gilmore got cooked all day long in this mm-hmm. game. He, he, was, he was burnt toast um, in this game. Galen Clark. Oh, but he was toast all game long. It seemed like the pass rush didn't get home whatsoever. Micah Parsons did get a couple holding calls, though. So That was cool. That was cool. Um, yeah, it, the, the team did just completely crap their pants. Like, 
a lot of these teams we say, oh, we knew the Dolphins were frauds. Oh, like we knew that we knew that you know, like Joe Flacco would catch up to him or something. Mm-hmm. This performance out of the Cowboys was shocking. Shocking. There was nothing throughout the regular season that pointed to this would be the case. And yeah, this is where we this is where we are. Taking a look at the Packers. State of the Union address to all NFC North fans. I'm officially labeling it. We're at DEFCON 2. <laughs> We're at DEFCON 2. If somehow, some way, the Packers beat the 49ers next week, we are at full DEFCON 1. <laughs> We're going your bunker. Nuclear war is about to happen. <laughs> but we're at DEFCON 2 because, wow. Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur seem to be a match made in heaven. Watching this game, Matt, like, Jordan Love was good. I think people are maybe overrating the performance out of Jordan Love a little bit. His, no, for his sure. receivers were wide open. Uh, it was a Matt LaFleur masterclass. I'll say he completely and legitimately wiped the floor with Mike McCarthy's everything. He just used him as a mop all game long uh, and completely outcoached Mike McCarthy. That is without it, without a doubt. Um, but Jordan Love did everything he needed to do. He was on time. He was on target. A lot of quarterbacks wouldn't do that. Yeah. Jordan Love did. Uh, I, you know, of course, I, do I think he's going to be the best, the third Hall of Fame quarterback? I'm not ready to say that yet, but he looks good. Him and Matt LaFleur seem like they like each other, which is different than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Him and his wide receivers look like they like each other, different than Aaron Rodgers. And he's throwing the ball to literal nobodies. The Packers' wide receiving core is full of nobodies. Christian Watson wasn't even healthy in this. He did play, but he didn't look healthy in this no. game. They had like Jaden Reed, who's been like a Pretty good little piece, but like something melting, I think that <laughs> these guys are not good. Wow. And the Packers are scoring 48 points in a playoff game. Again, supposedly one of the best defenses. <clears throat> so that's where I'm at right now. NFC North fans, we're at a DEFCON two. Potential to go to a full on DEFCON one here in a week. But hopefully the 49ers <laughs> can maintain their 49er 49er ways and be uh, the the Packers are to the Bears what the 49ers are to the Packers. So hopefully that can. But anything else you want to get off about yeah. this disappointing performance from your Cowboys? No, just just embarrassing. Yeah, it is. We will say it is currently uh, Tuesday night, January 16th, and Mike McCarthy still has a job. Yeah. So we will keep that tracker for you guys. Believe it or not, Sam has an opinion on uh, Mike McCarthy. Um, I'll let you figure out what that is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if there's no playoffs, dude, we're like kicking ass. We're on Super Bowl watch. We're on Super Bowl watch. You're, but think, the, you're thinking soupy. But, but the minute we enter postseason, it's Jover. It's Jover. It's over, man. Uh, good coach, but breaks when it matters most and that's just not a coach you need to have with this amount of talent um i mean dak i still think dak's a good quarterback um obviously some question marks around when lights get brightest but we've seen him play a hell of his football season 
Um, I'm not putting too much emphasis. Obviously, they're pitiful this game, but positive outlook, I guess. Um, he he improves this season. Um, but I I think it. Re- like I said before, Mike McCarthy got outcoached um, when it mattered most, and that's really concerning. Um, Jerry Jones, we all saw Jerry Jones's comments after the game. Uh, absolutely disappointing. One of the worst losses the Cowboys has ever seen. I don't think Mike's going to be around much longer. I think Jerry Jones uh, basically handed him a team uh on a silver platter this year, it seemed like. Obviously, um, as much of a meme as Trayvon Diggs is, he was a vital part of this defense. But I, I think they move on to who? I don't know. Um, there's a lot of options out there. But it's going to be an interesting next couple months seeing who they bring in, um, if they bring in anyone, or if they still ride with Mike. But I think it's time to move on because you've given him multiple years and it's the same result year in, year out. When it comes to playoffs, you look good in the regular season, but when it matters most, you crumble. Yeah. I mean, I, this one is – you said the same thing year over year. Yeah, the end in losses, but what, last year he went to – you had to go to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You weren't favored in that game. Yeah. You didn't win it. Uh, what was the year, was the year for that was San Francisco too, wasn't mm-hmm. it? You weren't favored in that game. Yeah. You didn't win it. Like it happens. This one hurts. You were you were big time favorites, and yeah, this yeah. is this is the big time stink. Um, but moving on, uh, let's stay in the NFC North and uh, take a look up in Detroit, where the place was absolutely popping for the Lions' first playoff game in a very long time, the first home playoff game in a very long time, and they got their first playoff win in a very long time. For the first time in history, Lions fans texted each other about a playoff win for the Detroit Lions. They beat the Rams, of course. We all know the storyline. Goff versus Stafford, Rams versus uh, Lions. 24-23, Lions got this win. Yeah. Um, You mentioned very long time is – 32 years absolutely insane but this game was awesome um we saw textbook matt stafford in this one uh 25 for 36 367 yards two touchdowns was banged up the entire game like it it wasn't even a question you could see him wincing getting up every play um but this lions team is fun man jared goff it nice little revenge game bud uh it it's always fun seeing those revenge games we saw a couple actually in the wild card um but this one was one of the best i think it's one of the best of the entire wild card weekend um it was electric came down the wire um rams or lions and rams battle stafford goff Goff came up on top, um, but these were – I just want to go back to the Rams. Um, Puka Nakua. He is unbelievable. 
freaking believable. Nine receptions, 181 yards, one side. Um, oh, and they still have Cooper Cup. Obviously, didn't perform like we're supposed to, but keep them together. This this Rams team's gonna be scary. Obviously, big question mark with their offenses. That rushing attack seems they have literally none. But the Lions, man, they are as legit as we thought. Jared Goff looking fantastic, only at five incompletions, uh, zero interceptions. That's what we always highlight. David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs. It's amazing what happens when you give Jameer Gibbs the ball. I know, right? It, both on the rushing attack and the um, the receiving attack. Amon Ross St. Brown looking like a bona fide superstar at the receiver position. Josh Reynolds even getting in on the action this game. Laporta was banged up, still got his. It's this team's scary, and their defense is back help. It, they're playing very complimentary football. Dan Campbell, we didn't see his crazy aggressive tactics in this one, and uh, it helped the Lions get that uh, huge uh, first playoff win in 32 years. Yeah, I mean, both quarterbacks were awesome. We felt like that was going to be the case going into this game. They were. Matt Stafford can absolutely still play. Uh, he was beat to crap in this game. I, again, not quite sure how we went back after that big-time hit mm-hmm. um, against uh, – he got hit like three or four times in that, in, yeah. in, on that play. Um, but with those two wide receivers, you're right. The offense can still hum. I still I, – I think Kyron Williams is a pretty good running back. Um, they can figure some things out schematically and maybe get a little yeah. bit beefier on the old line. But Kyron Williams can absolutely play. The defense is a bit of an issue. You lost your Jalen Ramsey. You lost your Leonard Floyd. Like, all the big names. Uh, they had Von Miller on that mm-hmm. team as well. Obviously, you still have Aaron Donald. A lot of the names on that team are gone, though, so the defense is a little bit of a concern. But that offense can absolutely still hum. On the Lions side of things, Talk about the Goff revenge game. We talk about the Stafford revenge game. No one's talking about the Josh Reynolds revenge game. The former Ram put up big numbers against the Rams, especially for, with all respect to Josh Reynolds, for Josh Reynolds. Five receptions for 80 yards. He was critical in getting those first couple series started. Uh, Detroit jumped out to a 14-0 lead. And I think in those two drives, he had like 40 receiving yards. Yeah. Time getting this offense moving. Jameer Gibbs was awesome. Uh, the game was won in one specific area, and that's a red zone defense from the Lions. The Rams had two bombs for touchdowns, three trips to the red zone, three field goals. That's their 23. Two yeah. touchdowns on bombs, three field goals in the red zone. Those are touchdowns. The Rams win this easily. The Lions, three trips to the red zone, three touchdowns. That's the difference in the that's game. That's the difference. That Lions defense, again, they're not going to be one of the best defenses in the league. They're not going to completely shut down teams. But if they can limit to three, this Lions team will be very scary. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, but moving on to Monday, we had the Bills the, and, and the Steelers. They're also played in pretty tumultuous weather. This game was postponed from Sunday uh, because of snow and cold and pretty pretty dangerous conditions. But they played on Monday. The Bills ended up beating the Steelers 31-17. Yeah, um, this doesn't look like a complete um, domination by the Bills, but it was. Um, it was an absolute domination. 
I was 21 to 7 at half, 24 to 10. I mean, it, it got a little interesting there in the fourth, but Josh Allen, what a game, young fella. Uh, had tremendous game, 203 yards, three tuds, 21 for 30. Um, and had one of the craziest runs I've ever seen busted open uh, for a, like, 50- to 60-yard oh, run. Um, absolutely crazy. Um, James Cook getting his Dalton Kincaid. It seemed every time he he was wide open for, like, a 20-yard reception. Um, but, yeah, it, it just, I mean, kind of went as – at least I expected I didn't give the Steelers much, much hope, to be honest with you, Tanner, especially with the loss of TJ Watt. But um, we we all saw the, um, the post-game uh, comments by um, George Pickens. And, uh, I mean, it, I wouldn't say it was that egregious. I wasn't like, oh, my God, these refs are totally screwing. I mean the penalties were six to two, um, and it was only a difference of twenty five yards. Obviously, there there's gonna be missed calls every game, but it it at least to me I don't know about you Tanner, but it seemed like it wasn't as bad as the Steelers made it out to be. Uh yeah, I mean I feel like you could say what George Pickens said about a lot of games. Yeah, I'm not sure this is the one I'd say it about just because yeah I I agree with you I don't. Don't think the refs played as big of a role as maybe George Pickens thought. Uh, but yes, this game went exactly how I thought it would. Uh, Bills were pretty much in control the entire way. Um, man, this Bills offense, they scored 31 points on the Steelers, one of the better defenses in the league, granted, without DJ Watt. But they scored 31 on the Steelers. Uh, Josh Allen using his legs, 74 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Um, Josh Allen hasn't really gotten the ball to Stephon Diggs much either. Mm -hmm. So this offense has another gear, it seems like, that they haven't hit yet, that they're waiting to hit. Um, and obviously within the coming weeks, it looks like that will be achieved. Um, but it, looking at the Steelers, man, they're in a nasty, nasty state of purgatory right now. Yeah. Um, there's either two ways. You either got to take a step back and tank, or you got to push the chips in. And it seems to me like the move here is push the chips in with the defense you got, with some of these receivers you got. I mean, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens are a great one, too. Mm -hmm. Your running backs are a great one, too. Seems like maybe this is the time to push the chips in. Trade for a Justin Fields. Sign a Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Like, do something like that because I don't think Pickett's the answer, and I don't think Mason Rudolph's the answer, so – Figure it out in, in, in Pittsburgh because you need you need something to elevate this team because right now they're a year in, year in and year out. Didn't even mean to make the Pittsburgh yins joke there, but they're a year in and year out, 10 and 8, 10 and 7, wild card, uh, wild card uh, round exit. So figure it out in Pittsburgh. You need to do something. But Buffalo looks absolutely – they look like – they look incredibly scary right now. Seems like we're on a crash course for Ravens-Bills in the AFC Championship yeah. game, and I absolutely need that. Yeah. But to wrap up the super wild card weekend, 
We had the Philadelphia Eagles. They traveled to Tampa, of course, after they collapsed and lost the division. They took on the Bucks, and my God, did the Philadelphia Eagles complete the greatest collapse in NFL history. A team that was 10-1, and Sam, 10-1, and beat the Chiefs in a rematch of the Super Bowl, was on top of the world. They lost 32-9 to in in the the wild card round went one in seven in their last eight games including the playoff game finished the year 11 and seven absolute disaster for philadelphia yeah absolutely the biggest frauds of this year by far eagles won dolphins too i i like you said, the Eagles were off to a hot start. And let's not act like this Bucks team is something special. I mean, call me a average NFL fan, but let me let me just read you who their leading receivers are. Kate Otten. Who? Yeah. Respectfully. David Moore, Trey Palmer, Mike Evans. I know, I know that guy. Chris Godwin, Payne Durham. Yeah, I think the the big thing here is that Kate Otten, David Moore, and Trey Palmer were above Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Yeah, in this game, but and two of those three caught touchdowns. Yeah, obviously, it's been a crazy ride for Baker Mayfield in his NFL career. Um, started out Cleveland, led them to playoffs, looked like, looked to be the franchise guy in Cleveland. He seemed want a playoff game, a playoff game seemed to be the guy absolutely gets screwed by the Browns. Deshaun Watson comes up, sign him, send Baker off to Carolina, Carolina, how about another mistake by Carolina letting him go? I mean, he was getting defensive line reps last year in practice. I saw that. Yeah. What an unserious franchise. And then you go to Tampa Bay. He's balling. I love it. I've always been a Baker fan since his college days. It's good to see him win, especially when he's playing uh, the Cowboys' biggest rivals, the Eagles, and absolutely embarrassing him. Played a phenomenal game, 337 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks. It was, it was just freaking awesome. And I, I loved every minute of it, Tanner. I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. As did I. As did I. Seems like uh, both both the NFC East teams, their weekend was made better better by the other's loss, uh, but definitely a lot to, to fall back on if you're one of these NFC. Oh, my God. What an insane pass by Caitlin Clark. But – um, if you're a fan of one of these teams, uh, an absolute, I, there's no other words to describe this 10 and one. They were the number one seed in the NFC. They just beaten the chiefs. They were on top. You have the video of Sirianni saying like yelling at chiefs fans. Like, what are you going to say? Now? Like, Oh man, this Eagles defense was one of the worst I have ever seen play on a football field. This is like rivals the Vikings defense. <laughs> of last year um they couldn't tackle anybody the amount of yards after catch in this tampa bay game was insanity 
Uh, I, I've never seen anything like it. It's absolutely the greatest collapse. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just indescribable how fast and how far this team fell. Um, and, of course, you have to think Nick Sirianni is out as head coach. Yeah. You have to think that they're going to they're gonna move on from him because it's ridiculous the, what this team went through. And uh, as bad as it was for Philly, uh, I do think we need to take a second to talk about something on the positive th- side and celebrate the career of Jason Kelsey, who yes. decided to retire uh, after this season. A, I mean, a much-deserved retirement. Bro put in, uh, it was like 16 seasons with the Eagles, 14 yeah. seasons, something like that. Uh, playing center, no less, uh, you know, incredibly physically demanding position and uh won a super bowl for the for the team and, and of course we all know what he wore on the super bowl parade uh so legend the, a, a legend an eagles legend a surefire hall of famer uh so congrats on a great career jason kelsey definitely deserves to be set yeah absolutely um yeah it was uh it's embarrassing for the eagles regard um regarding just their team as a whole uh, absolutely collapsed um also got shout out hawkeyes when they play well uh tristan Wirfs, vital part of that offensive line um for the uh for those buccaneers um saw a lot of josh sweat one of the dominant forces on that eagles um they he went to sweat on 25 pass attempts and Werfs only allowed one quarterback pressure on those plays um so it Mayfield seemed to have all the time in the world I saw I'm trying to look for the yards after catch I did see at the end of the first quarter the Buccaneers had 90 yards after catch so <laughs> yeah that just shows you that just shows you what type of game this was not great certainly a puzzling uh puzzling end to the season for the eagles and they have a lot to to reflect on going into this offseason i'm really mad though. no of course <laughs> i ain't mad at all nick sirianni have fun in the unemployment line you absolute corny bozo yeah but that sets us up for the divisional round i'm super excited for it uh, we're going to kick it off on Saturday afternoon. The Texans play the Ravens. So that will be pretty fun. I believe these teams played in week one. So, yeah. Uh, and of course, it was a shit pumping for the Ravens because the Texans, week one with CJ Stroud, they hadn't gotten yeah. found their form and yet. CJ Stroud had a terrible preseason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They haven't found their form yet. So surely this game will be different. Um, then on Saturday night, I believe we get Packers Niners. I mentioned that. Let's go Niners. Let's go Niners. Big yeah, time. I mentioned the storylines before. Um, 49ers seem to always have the Packers number. And the Packers get the monkey off their back. Who knows? Then on Sunday afternoon, we get the uh, Lions and Buccaneers. Should be a pretty fun game there. I mean, and then, of course, Sunday night, the big one, Chiefs-Bills. Definitely yeah. the big ticket item. Hopefully there's not a super cool play or anything. Yeah, because then you just can't call it. That <laughs> yeah, <movie>. exactly. <laughs> can't call it. But definitely also worth noting that that play is the only reason this game is in Buffalo and not in Kansas City. Wow. 
Kadarius Tony had lined up on sides, this game would be that's a tough pill to swallow. That is a tough pill to swallow, for sure. (laughs) But it's not. It's in Buffalo, and Bills Mafia will be yeah to avenge that loss in the divisional round a few years ago. Of course, we all know the 13 seconds. But I'm super excited for this divisional round. But before we wrap up the episode, it's been a long one. So much to talk about. And this is only football. So much to talk about. Before we wrap up, we do need to touch on some of the NFL head coaching uh, carousel uh, like we did in college. So some of the big names, the Seahawks, they parted ways with Pete Carroll in a surprising move. Um, The Titans, also a surprising move, fired Mike Vrabel. Yeah, uh, we we don't understand that, that one. I have I have yet to see someone who does understand that one. Um, Titans, what are you doing? Mike Vrabel is a fantastic head coach. He will not be out of a job for very long. No. Uh, the Commanders, of course, fired Ron Rivera in the most obvious move uh, in, I don't know, maybe the most obvious head coaching move I've ever seen. Um, the Falcons, like all of our, Arthur Smith, Chargers, of course, Brandon Staley, they did that during the year. Panthers with Frank Reich did that during the year. Raiders, Josh McDaniels did that during the year. Antonio Pierce was awesome as their interim head coach. Have yet to name him their full-time head coach. If only the Raiders had a precedent of an interim head coach who did a great job and they went and hired someone else and they didn't do a good job. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait. And (laughs) then lastly, in the big shocker, Bill Belichick and the Patriots decide to part ways. Yeah. A lot, a lot of open spots, Sam. Any of those? I mean, I feel like the most surprising. I, I was going to ask the most surprising. It's got to be Mike Vrabel, right? Yeah, absolutely. It seemed like he was leading the uh, Titans in the right direction, uh, led um, Will Levis uh, to kind of re- revitalize that offense. I was struggling with Ryan Tannehill. Um, very interesting move by the titans um it seemed like they finally kind of got their team going and uh then they cut the head of the snake off and it's gonna be interesting who comes in and can he do a better job uh he probably won't (laughs) because again mike rabel is one of the best in the sport and the, the you know the test of should i fire my head coach will he be hired and I would say there are maybe four or five teams in the NFL who would rather keep their head coach than hire Mike Vrabel. It's just yeah. the way it is. So I, I can't fathom it personally. Uh, but a, a lot of open spots. Well, Patriots actually isn't open. They gave it to Gerard Mayo, a former player yeah. under Bill Belichick. So um, looks like uh, you know, that uh, that was figured out rather quickly. Uh, but everything else, I believe, is still open. So yeah. Um... I know, uh, speaking of Michigan and their run, Jim Harbaugh seems to be on his way out. Um, he completed a interview with the Falcons, who's interviewing, it seems like, everybody. Um, they interviewed Belichick. They just interviewed, completed an interview with Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh like 30 minutes ago. Wow. So, uh, breaking news. But... To be honest with you, Tanner, as terrible has or how I don't even know how to say this, how 
big of an underperformance this team has been, I still think the Chargers are one of the more intriguing teams. Absolutely. Especially, I mean, when you have a guy like Justin Herbert. It's got to be. We use a team, a head coach's dream, a team that has a quarterback situation figured out. And that's yeah. exactly what the Chargers have. Um, I believe, I personally believe that is where Harbaugh will go to the Chargers. Um, I, mean, I believe, why wouldn't you? Right. I feel like that's that's where seems he like goes. they have the most upside for sure. I'm and... not entirely sure where Mike Rabel goes. Um, I believe another one of my predictions. I think the Commanders will get uh, the Lions' offensive coordinator yeah. Ben Johnson. I believe is going to the Commanders. Uh, but some of these others, I I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I could see Vrabel maybe going to Seahawks. Yeah, I don't know. That just seems like a good fit. That that would make good some, fit to me. Makes sense. But yeah, I I don't think he'll be out of a job no, for long. He shouldn't. And um, but but as for the other guys on this list, don't think they're gonna get hired as a head coach. Probably either. not. They're probably gonna spend a little time as a coordinator, uh, before hopefully building up the resume to again become a head coach. But that's gonna wrap it up. For episode 115 of Crunch Time, congrats. You have made it to the end. And this is a big accomplishment because this was a long one, as we said. So much yeah. to talk about. Figured we'd just get it all out of the way and make a long episode because we have been away for so long. But we are so happy to be back. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. Make sure to follow the podcast on X, on TikTok, and on Instagram at crunchtime underscore pod. And subscribe to us on YouTube, Crunch Time with the N three two six duo. You can follow Sam at Yeah on X, Sam Godsy twenty nine, Instagram Sam underscore Godsy twenty one. You can follow me on X and Instagram at T Dislin twenty two. The clock has run out on this episode, and we'll see you in the next one on Crunch Time. Yar.